0: I know you're home. Thank you. Face the ride. Breath of God, fan us into flame. the, friend, it's the we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour Desperation, the songs of faith we sing through doubt and fear. beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations worthy is the Lamb who yes, let's sing these words again and on that day we join our resurrection step beside the heroes of the faith With one voice A thousand generations For so is the we'll Yes, and forevermore oh, Forevermore Disappointments we face here in this world. He will never fail us. He is always good and always true, and His promises are true. And we know that there will be a day when none of this will matter, none of our disagreements will matter, because we'll be united as one, gathered as His holy church, singing, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. And His presence will bring a peace beyond all understanding. If we can be honest, if we can be vulnerable with you, Father, your church is tired. It is so easy to be led astray, so easy to just feel the weight and anxieties of things that are going on around us, but remind us of your faithfulness. And you do that in worship. You meet with us face to face. We just thank you that we can come to a place with you where we can be vulnerable and honest and humble, and you can speak directly to our hearts. Father, thank you. Continue to build us up on your firm foundation. And we'll make it our promise to you to praise you till the end of our days, till we are united again together, singing holy hope with our brothers and sisters for eternity. And that is a promise we choose to cling to, no matter what. So God, we worship you in your house. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Amen, church. Welcome to God's house today. It's a good place to be Why would you turn to those around you and make them feel welcome in the house of the Lord this morning?
1: talk now. Welcome to Labor Day weekend. Everyone here could not get a camping spot this weekend, so welcome to church. Or you just don't like camping, that's fair. My name is Tyler, and I am the online campus pastor here at MRCC. Today, I'm just going to give a couple quick announcements. We have an upcoming mission trip to Belize, this winter. We're really excited about it. Uh, if you feel that, you know, missions is maybe something for you, or you just feel that tug that God is saying, hey, step out of your comfort zone and, and try something new. Uh, maybe this mission trip is for you. If you would like more information or have any questions, Pete and Donna uh, have a table out there uh, with a sign that says missions on it, and we would love for you to connect with them. They have packets, applications, all of that, and they will answer any question that you have. School started last week. All the parents said amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you. First service they didn't say amen, so I was like, oh man, maybe it wasn't that good. So this week we have our Back to School Bash K through 12 campus-wide. There's going to be food. There's going to be food. There's going to be lots of candy. There's inflatables. It's going to be an amazing event, and uh, we're excited to have that. So this Wednesday from 5.30 to 8.30 campus-wide. Drop your kids off. We will pump them full of sugar and then send them home. It'll be great. Also, this Tuesday is our Back to Mops Day. Uh, So Mops is kicking off 9.30 a.m. here in the sanctuary. If you have questions or comments... Not comments. Only questions. Uh, contact Pastor Allison at the office, and she will get you connected. We also have a cool way to connect. Take out your phone camera, open it up, and there's a uh, sticker in the seat back in front of you. If you just scan that, it's a great way to get connected. And uh, on that, getting connected in, in groups and stuff like that, Pastor Brent is going to come up here and give some more information.
2: Thank you, Tyler. My name is Brent. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I am our group's pastor here at Mount Rainier Christian Center. And as we ramp up into the fall, within the next few weeks, many of our groups are starting back up. So I wanted to let us know this morning about a few quick ways that we can get involved in groups. Maybe you feel the call on your heart that God is calling you to get involved in a group to uh, fellowship and study the word with other believers and gather together. If that's you this morning, there are three simple ways that we can make that happen. The first is there's a table out in the foyer, and there will be for the next several weeks with a simple sign-up sheet and if you want to put your info on there we will get you plugged in and connected into a group. The second way is by uh, coming and seeing me anytime uh, on a Sunday. I'm pretty difficult to miss. I am large, so you should be able to find me within about 30 seconds if you really set your mind to the task. I would love to talk to you, to connect with you, to hang out a bit and figure out uh, more about who you are and get you plugged in and involved. The third and final way is uh, anyone can do this, even those of us that are gathering online. Thank you so much for joining us this service. Um, You can go to our website at mrccnow.com and there is a little button right on the front page that says join a group and if you click that you can fill that out and we'll get you plugged in so thank you very much and if you would get your bibles out to uh, mark chapter 2 david abbey's bringing the word this morning
3: who thanks brent oh i I, yeah good thing you're large i almost hit you (laughs) there brent is uh brent is hard to miss he's loud too so But no, it's great. Hey, happy Labor Day Sunday to you. Um, For all those of you who don't know me, don't know me. My name is David Abbey. Um, And uh, welcome to all of you who are here. Welcome to our online friends and also to all of our friends who couldn't be with us uh, this Sunday because they are traveling this weekend. So Greg's not here, obviously, and he needed a pretty face to fill in this Sunday. No one was available, so they asked me instead. yeah, Yeah, thanks. That's awesome, thanks, Josh. I can tell you, I can tell you, woo, Josh. All right. So speaking of Greg, uh, what a great week! How fortunate for all of us that this is a week that he is not here, because if you don't know, yesterday the Huskies lost, the Cougars lost, both to teams they shouldn't have lost to, and his dastardly, dreaded Ducks won. Well, barely, but they won. So he would have been rubbing it in. Wait a second. I'm rubbing it in right now. Dang it. Oh, all right. Actually, believe it or not, I, I get a chance uh, this next week. Not that I'm a Duck fan. I, I like to watch the Ducks lose. But with some friends, I'm going to have the opportunity to fly back to Ohio State and watch Ohio State number four in the nation play uh, the Ducks next Saturday in, uh, in Ohio, in Columbus. So looking forward to hopefully being able to rub that into Greg a little bit. Greg likes to start on a lot of Sundays by asking a question for us to think about, and I want to do the same thing. So here's my question to start. How many of you have ever lost sight of the big picture, the whole picture? Got distracted by a small detail, a flaw, or perhaps something insignificant? Since this is sort of the last official Weekend of summer releases, you know, Labor Day is always the kind of last official travel. uh, It's kind of the last official weekend of the travel season. I want to start by looking at some actual complaints that have been submitted to different travel agencies or sites or different holiday locations. So these are actual things that travelers have written in reviews or comments. This first one. On my holiday to Goa in India... I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. I don't like spicy food. All right. We booked an excursion to the water park, but nowhere were we told that we had to bring our own swimsuits and towels. We assumed they would be included in the price. Ooh, this one. The beach was too sandy. We had to clean everything when we returned to our room. Speaking of sand... We found the sand was not like the sand in the brochure. Your brochure shows the sand as white, but it was a little more yellow in color. <laughs> Speaking of brochures, although the brochure said that there was a fully equipped kitchen, there was no egg slicer to be found in the drawers. How many of you even have an egg slicer? So there's 3 of you. Which one of you wrote Was it <laughs> okay. I know now. I know. An egg slicer. Okay. All right. It took us nine hours to fly home from Jamaica to England. It took the Americans only three hours to get home. This seems unfair. (laughs) Wow. So speaking of fairness, this next one, I compared the size of our one-bedroom suite to our friend's three-bedroom, and ours was significantly smaller. Okay. All right. Oh, this next one, uh, I understand this because I have children. The restaurant advertisement said, children eat free. But my 19-year-old daughter got charged for her meal. Okay. All right. And one more. My plane journey was a disappointment as the sky was too cloudy, obstructing my children's view of the sea and ruining our game of I Spy. All right, well, these travelers, trivial, let trivial disappointments affect an experience that should have been, was supposed to be enjoyable and relaxing. But by focusing on something small, something insignificant, they missed the bigger picture. How much do we do the same thing with different things in our lives? See, all too often. We only see one part of a situation. Only one part of the bigger picture. And we miss a whole lot of what's going on. I had a situation like this back in my childhood. It was Christmas time. I love Christmas time. It's my favorite holiday of the year. How many of you are Christmas people? Okay, I love the decorations. I really do. I love the lights. I actually, I like the cold, um, so I, I, I don't like it when snow is on the ground. I'm in education, so I, I don't like delays and all of that. I, I enjoy snow. It just needs to fall during winter break, right? All right. So, um, so I don't want, it to affect, don't want it to affect the school year. Well, this particular Christmas, we had one of those rare occasions uh, in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle area where it was actually it was a white Christmas. And very fitting that it was a white Christmas for the presents that I received that year. I had uh, recently had begun skiing, and so for Christmas that year, I got some brand new ski pants. I got this white ski jacket that I've been wanting. I got some brand new ski gloves, and this was fitting since we had a white Christmas. I got this blue toboggan, plastic toboggan sled, about yay wide, about this big. How many of you have seen these? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just kind of cheap, flimsy plastic, but man, these things on the snow, they can get going. And they are so much fun. Now, in my neighborhood, I grew up not too far from here in kind of the Fairwood area. But we lived right next to a school. And I lived on this hill. And um, when it snowed in the winter, my house for our neighborhood was the place to be. Because we lived on this, like I said, we lived on this hill. And on the side of our house below us, we had this large hill going down to our neighbor's driveway. So we had this long driveway that then leveled off into about a half court, little over a half court basketball court, and then would go back down another little steep, and then it would turn to the right, and our neighbors had a fence built, and then it would go into our neighbor's driveway. And so if there was even the hint of snow in the forecast, my neighbors didn't like to have to drive up this steep hill, and so they would go and drive up their cars to, uh, to the road above, um, meaning for myself, my brother, for all of our friends, game on. Because now we weren't going to have to worry about them driving up there. We were able to take this huge driveway and we were able to make amazing sledding courses. We would go out with snow shovels. We would go out with wheelbarrows and our sleds, fill them up with snow, and we would make a bobsled course or a sledding course all the way down the driveway with with, little berms and things like that in the middle of the half court basketball court right after coming off of the steep hill we put a jump that you would get some air and have to land it and then you would hit the second part of the course racing down the hill. Our neighbors had, like I said, a fence built and so we would take snow and pile it up on this fence and make a berm that you'd have to lean to the right go into their driveway, and then I don't know if it was spray paint or actually we may have even used Kool-Aid powder and go and we'd make a finish line in the snow. And then here's how bright we were, or I guess I should say how amazing we were, or amazingly stupid we were. We would take a garden hose and we would go and spray this whole thing down with water. So overnight, we would get a nice slick layer of ice. Now, I've seen the Winter Olympics you know, I've seen the bobsled and luge courses that they make. But man, this thing would be competitive with some of those Olympic bobsled courses, at least in my mind. So the next day after we built this course, all of our neighbors would come over. All of our, all of our friends in the neighborhood would come over, and we would do races. Now, we noticed that I would got my new little sled, and some other friends kind of had the same sled that I did. And so we decided, hey, we got some of the same sleds. Let's do races. So we start doing races and we do like a singles tournament and then say, hey, two of us can, slit, can fit in each of these sleds. Let's do a tournament of doubles. And so I teamed up with a friend of mine, my best friend who lived in the neighborhood. His name is Tony. And he and I are going through all the races and we can't lose. I mean, we are beating everybody, finishing first, making it, and we make it to the finals. Well, in the finals, we ended up being paired up against my brother, uh, who's three years older than me, and his friend from down the street, David. And we make it to the finals. So the driveway leading up, we're up on the street, and we have kind of probably about a 10-yard kind of runway that we start. And then we have a line that you have to be in the sled by. And so one of the other, one of the other kids was like, on your mark, get set, go. And so Tony's in the front of my sled. David's in the front. Of uh, my brother sled, so my brother and I are the pushers. Now I'm, you know, he's not just older than me, but he has a little bit of a competitive, uh, competitive edge over me. Um, he's tall and slim and athletic, and I am short and look like a pear. But uh, so, so we're 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 going, and even then he was still he towered over me at this point in our lives, and so he's got the longer stride. So I'm already worried about that. On your mark, get set, go. And we're pushing. I'm pushing with all the gusto I can muster. And I just happen to look to the side of me, and I see my brother kind of stumble. And I'm thinking, I got a chance. This is nice. And I make it to the line. I'm approaching the line right where I have to jump in. Perfect jump in and mounting the sled right behind Tony. And we're going down. We hit the end of, uh, we hit the, end of the hill on the basketball court. We hit the jump. And right at the time that we land the jump, I can hear my brother's sled just hitting the jump. I'm thinking, yes, we got this. So, you know, you get a little bit cocky, a little bit egotistical. I turn around to see how much we're going to win by as we're going down the hill. And my head is still turned behind me when we made it to the berm. You know that berm that I said that you needed to lean to the right on to make it into the neighbor's driveway? I didn't lean to the right. Instead, that berm ended up being a jump. And the sled and myself went smack dab into the neighbor's fence. Now, kind of being dazed, a little bit confused, I, I hear my brother and David celebrating at the finish line Giving each other high fives, celebrating their championship and all the glory that comes with it about beating his little brother, winning the whole neighborhood championship. I was so bummed. I mean, I'd lost to my brother, and then I look down and I see the cracked and broken remains of my blue, brand new toboggan sled that had gotten crushed against the fence, either by the fence or my body. I don't know which one, but it was, it was completely useless. And I'm thinking, man, we lost. My sled's broken. And Tony, my partner, is just staring at me. And I'm like, man, why isn't he as disappointed as I am? Why isn't he feeling the pain of defeat like I am? And he just keeps staring at me. And then he looked down at the ground and then looked back up at me with these big eyes. So, of course, I look down at the ground and I see red in front of me. And then I notice my blood red ski jacket that I'm wearing that was white the day before when I got it for Christmas. I didn't realize that I had a pretty significant bloody nose, scrapes and scratches all over my face, and a huge gash on my right eyebrow. See, I thought my biggest concern, my biggest worry, was that I lost the race to my brother and that my sled was broken. I didn't realize, I didn't understand that I needed help. I was hurt. So that brings me to our scripture this morning. If you haven't, uh, you can turn to Mark chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles with you, the verses verses will be back up there on the screen. So Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, please help us this morning to hear what you would have for us to learn this morning and to grow closer to you. And all God's people said, amen. All right, I want to take a closer look at this passage. So I spent the last 16, actually I spent about 16 years in education teaching fifth grade. And then last year um, I moved into a new position. I'm the dean of students, um, so I'm not in the classroom anymore. Greg likes to give me a bad time about being a dean. He always, he'll send me pictures of the dean from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he'll see me sometimes, and he'll walk by me and say, Bueller, Bueller. Um, so, but in education, one of the things that I always like to do I, with, my, with my students, it, I still do this when I'm, when I'm meeting with the student, say, hey, imagine this. Put your, imagine, put your imagination cap on, and I want you to think about this. So I want all of you guys, not to put on your imagination cap, but I want you to picture that you're in this house. Scripture said that they had heard that Jesus had come home. So he's in this house. People have heard about him, that he's going to be there. And they've come in droves. I mean, it, the house is packed. Shoulder to shoulder, the entire room is full. In fact, any windows? You've got to think there's probably two or three people deep at the window just trying to hear what Jesus is saying. Probably two or three or four deep at the doorway. Just packed. And after a few minutes of us being in this room, listening, you start to get distracted. You, what, what was that? A little bit of straw or some dust hit, hit, hit me in the head. Okay, I'm going to turn my attention back to Jesus. And then a couple seconds later, man, that, there's straw hitting my head. What, what's going on? You look up and you can see dust coming down from the ceiling above you. You get your attention back on Jesus, but then bigger chunks of mud and dirt start to hit the ground around you. People are getting distracted. Probably even the Lord is getting distracted, going, what, what, what's going on? And then a, a second or two later, you, you think that you can see some faint rays of sunlight coming in through a hole that's developing in the roof above you. Let me give you a little bit of background about what the houses in Palestine, where this was, would have, how they would have been built. So this would have been a one-story dwelling because that's how they built them back there. So the dwelling would have consisted of the walls. And on top of that dwelling, there would have been a flat roof. The roof would have been constructed by taking beams and they would have rested on the walls that spanned across the house. And then in between those beams, there would have been sticks and reeds. And then between the sticks and reeds, they would have woven a thatch. So either palm fronds or grasses. Then on top of that thatch, they would take mud and clay and put several inches thick on top of that thatching. And it would harden so it would almost be like tile. And down on the side of the dwelling, they would have built stairs that would have led up to the roof. Because at this time in Palestine, you would go outside to get fresh air. You would go up on your roof. Or you would maybe go up there to eat a meal. Or you would entertain company, much like we would use a deck or a patio today. So all right, back to our scene. We're imagining that we're in this room as these four men bring their friend to the house where they heard that Jesus was. Now, these four had obviously heard stories about Jesus. They've heard accounts of him healing people. They've heard the talk. They've heard about the man. And so they bring their friend. Now I have to imagine that there had to have been some disappointment among the four or the man on the mat when they realize that they've gotten to the house late. Because they're approaching the house and they see, we, we can't get in. We're late. Speaking of late, that, that's a pet peeve of mine. I am not a late person. In fact, I think you need to be early to things. Growing up, my parents, about once a month or so, would take my brother and sister and I to the movies. Now, to me, going to the movies meant you go, you get there, you get your popcorn, you get your Coke, maybe you get some candy, you get in and you pick your seat, and then once you're seated, you watch the previews of the coming attractions of what's coming. That wasn't the way my family worked though. Oftentimes, I mean, we, we, where we lived, there was a movie theater, you know, a couple movie theaters about 10, 15 minutes from us. And my parents would wait about the time, the advertised time that the movie was supposed to start. And that's when we'd get in the car. So more times than once, we would show up at the theater and the previews would already be over and the movie would be starting. Or we would get there at the end of the previews and you'd get stuck in the front row seats where your neck is turned. And I have some people looking at me going, what, what's a movie theater? Do they still have those? We'll get back there. We'll, 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 be, we'll, we'll be able to see those movies. If you don't know what a movie theater is where you actually sit in theater seats and you watch, okay, all right, enough of my rant. All right. So these men, they're carrying their friend. But guess what? They see the crowd. They don't get discouraged. They don't give up and say, "I maybe next time, maybe, maybe, the, maybe the next day. No. They persevere. They're not discouraged that the crowd is so large that they couldn't get in the front door. They don't give up. In fact, they have this brilliant idea of saying, hey, I got it. Let's go up on the roof. We'll dig a hole. We'll lower the mat. To where we can get our friend to Jesus. I wonder who thought of it and what did the other guy say? I wonder what the guy on the mat said. You're going to do what? But that was, that was their thought. So they take him up on the roof. Now, here's my question. How do they know where to dig? Because they wouldn't have been able to hear Jesus because you're talking about several inches of mud. They hadn't been able to get to the window Or to the door to see where Jesus was. Is he in the center of the room? Is he at the right of the room? Left of the room? Who knows? So I imagine what would have had to happen first is that probably one of the guys dug a hole enough to get his head through the hole in there and say, Oh, no, guys, he's over there. They pick up the man. All right, let's dig here. So they start digging through. So they dig this hole large enough that they're going to be able to lower their paralyzed friend, to Jesus. And they do that. We're all watching. We're all there. And we see this. We're going, What's going on? And then I think about what these four would have thought when they lower them Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He looks at the guy who's paralyzed. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, these four are thinking, what? Jesus. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. But he, Jesus said, your, your sins are forgiven. Now the man, the four friends that carried him, they thought that his physical paralysis was the biggest issue. See, just like me with my sled, they had lost sight of the big picture. Jesus, on the other hand, could see the whole picture. He knew this man wasn't just in need of physical healing. He knew this man needed spiritual healing as well. Friends, aren't we just like that man on the mat? We need Jesus. We are all paralyzed in our sins. We all need the saving grace of our Father in heaven to forgive us. Jesus' message to the man on the mat is also his message to you, to me, to each and every one of us. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. See, when you accept that forgiveness from God... And accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You are healed. Because we know what it says. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that, more so than physical healing, is what that man on the mat needed. That, more than physical healing, is what you and I need. Because just like that paralyzed man on the mat, we all have sin in our lives. And we need healing from Jesus. And Jesus is there to give it to us. I'll tell you what, in all the years that I've spent in youth ministry, because there's been a lot, the number one thing I hear from students when they say, yeah, you know, I I don't know, because I just, Jesus can't forgive me. There's too much that I've done in my life that Jesus can forgive me. That is so wrong, because... The promise that Jesus said is, I will forgive you for your sins. He died on the cross for you and I. We can't discount that by saying, no, no. it's I've just sinned too much. So we're paralyzed in our sin, but Jesus says, no, I'm going to heal you. There's so many things in this passage that we could delve into this morning. We could look more at uh, that sin that paralyzes us and talk about that, that keeps us separated from God and how God paid the price for those. We could spend time looking at Jesus proclaiming to the teachers of the law that his authority as the son of God to forgive sins. But with the rest of our time, I don't want to focus on the man on the map or the teachers of the law. I want to focus on The four. I want to focus on the four men who carried the mat, who climbed the roof, and who dug the hole. You see, Jesus is calling us to carry people on mats, to climb up roofs. Jesus is calling us to dig holes. I'm going to turn to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. It'll be on the screen behind me. You'll recognize these verses. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is giving us a job, a task, a command. He says, I command you. These verses are known as the Great Commission. The first thing I want to look at in these verses, is the very first word, therefore. I had a privilege when I was on Young Life staff of taking classes, um, seminary classes, from an amazing pastor and teacher. His name is Harry McDonald. And Harry was, used to always say this when he came across the word therefore in Scripture He'd say, When you come to the word therefore, you better know what it's there for. That would always mean, you got to look at the context. You need to look back at the verses before it, the chapters in the Bible before it, preceding the verse. Here, we need only look back one verse. Look at Matthew 28, 18. It says, and then Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is saying, hey, I have all the authority. I am the Father. I am the Son. I am the Holy Spirit. And I have a job for you. He's calling us to make disciples. He's calling us to dig holes. It makes me think, a movie reference here, it makes me think of Michael Keaton playing the role of Batman. In one of the movies, he's holding this criminal up The criminal's freaking out. Hey, don't throw me off the roof. And he looks at him and says, tell all your friends about me. Now, that's the same message that Jesus is saying to us in the Great Commission. He's saying, tell all your friends about me. Right now, I want you to think, as I'm speaking this message, I want, who Who is God putting in your heart? Who is God putting in your mind that you know in your life that needs to be carried to the feet of Jesus? I started working on this message several weeks ago. At the very beginning of summer, Pastor Greg had approached me and asked me to speak at some time in August. Um, And then I was scheduled, I was actually supposed to be preaching uh, the week that, Greg actually came back from being sick. My wife, if you didn't know, actually, I I forgot to say this. Um, Pastor Allison, that is my wife, our children's pastor. So she spoke one week, and then I was supposed to be speaking the next week, and I was working on this message for that. Um, But you know what? It shows me that God has a plan. Because last week, Greg even, uh, Greg mentioned in this sermon last week that he and Pastor Weston don't talk about the worship set that, Weston and the worship team lead each uh, each Sunday. And Greg was saying how amazing the Holy Spirit works as the worship songs that we sang last week went along so well with the sermon from last week. You know, when he was saying that, I was thinking the exact same thing because I had my notes already prepped and pretty much my sermon already written for this week, not knowing what Greg was going to be preaching. I'm thinking, man, God is awesome because my message went so along following in what Greg was talking about. Because last week, Greg's message was the faithful. He spoke on how important it is, the faith that we have in Jesus. We must have faith. So we look back at Mark 2, verse 5. I want us to notice this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is so significant and so important because he doesn't say this to the man on the mat, I see your faith. No, he sees it in the four because these four had faith that if they brought their friend, if they could get their friend to the feet of Jesus, that Jesus was going to have the power to heal them. And so when he saw their faith looking up, then he looked at the man and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Last week, Greg shared a definition of faith that I'm going to take and use because it's, it's so spot on. Faith is when you act on God's word, even though you don't know how it will work out. When those men decided that morning to carry their paralyzed friend to Capernaum, they didn't know how it was going to work out. When they saw the crowd and decided, hey, let's go up on the roof and dig a hole, they didn't know how it was going to work out. And when they decided to lower their friend to the feet of Jesus, they didn't know how it was going to work out. But they had faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I don't know about you, but I want to try to please God in my life. I know I'm not perfect, but I know I'm forgiven. And God is calling us to action. And that action requires us to have faith, to act in his words, digging holes bringing others to the feet of Jesus. And I know, it can be scary. We think, what if I invite them to church and, and they say no? Or they, what if I actually share the gospel with them and they reject me? We can't let our fear of what may be interfere with our faith and what God wants it to be. Can we can't let our fear interfere with God's plan. God is calling us to act on his word, even though we don't know how it will work out. See, digging holes and bringing others to Jesus, yeah, we need faith but it's not just about faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We bring others to the feet of Jesus because God has called us to love them. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 puts it best. This is Jesus talking. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This verse spells it out so well, what God wants from us. He wants us to love the Lord first and to love others second. One of my favorite verses, when I was in youth ministry at several different churches, this is always the core verse for the youth ministry that I led. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, because we loved you so much, we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. In our last few minutes, I want to take a look at how do we do this? How do we, through faith, hope, and love, carry others Dig holes and make disciples. I always say that we can do this by having a life of joy. Joy, J-O-Y. It's an acronym, and this verse spelled it out for us. How do we have joy? Jesus, others, yourself. said, love the Lord with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. That means we put Jesus above all else. First, in our life. And the second is like it the O, others. Love your neighbor as yourself. We put others above ourselves, which is that why. I already mentioned to you, I spent s- several years serving in youth ministry in different churches as a youth pastor. I spent some time on Young Life staff. Uh, now, in my years of doing that, I have to tell you, I had. Many successes, but I also had probably just as many failures and embarrassing moments. And I am going to share with you one of those embarrassing moments. Probably one of my most embarrassing moments in youth ministry. I was teaching just on this. I don't know if I was using this scripture, but I was talking about Jesus, others, yourself, this whole idea of joy, talking about loving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, loving your neighbor as yourself. And I am preaching. I mean, I am preaching the word. I'm in a zone. At least I thought I was. I know that the Lord was speaking through me that night. I am positive that the message I was speaking, if Billy Graham was in the audience, he would have been saying, amen. Preach it, David. I get to the end of my message. I'm about to give my finale. Now, earlier that day, I had made some little credit card size cards that they were gonna. I was gonna give to them to put in their pocket as a reminder of what I had spoke on as a message for them to take it and put their uh, put this uh, into action. So I had already had one of my leaders had the cards and told them, "Okay, when I get to this line, you go start handing out the cards." So I'm talking about. Jesus, others, yourself. And on one side of the card, I'd printed out that acronym, Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. And as I'm speaking, I'm reiterating the importance of putting Jesus first, putting others second, and then I'm about to end with putting yourself third. And the cards are handed out, and kids start giggling in the audience. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm a little bit confused. Then they're laughing. As they look at these cards, I'm about to hit them with the punchline. And one of them says, I'm Thrid? That's what I had written on the other side of the card. I'm Thrid. I'm dyslexic. No, really, I'm dyslexic. And one of the things that I've learned about my dyslexia especially being in education, is don't send anything out until you have somebody check it. Okay? Proofreading is a good thing. I can't believe that the person who handed out the cards didn't notice it. But, yeah, the real message should have been, I'm third. I did correct it the next week, gave them new cards. Um, But the real message is, I'm third. Putting ourselves third. We focus on Jesus, others, and then yourself. All right, so to end with, coming to the homestretch. How do we dig holes? How do we make disciples? Just a few practical things before we send you off. First is this, grow. In order to make disciples, we need to be disciples. I want to say that again because it's so important. In order to make disciples, we need to first be disciples. We need to be growing in our relationship with God. We need to do that we need to be spending time with our Lord, through spending time in the Word, attending church. What a great opportunity. You have right now, you heard Pastor Brent talk about joining a group. You know, the Bible says wherever two or more are gathered, there I am with you. Talk about a great opportunity to grow as being in a small group where you can have fellowship with other believers, that you can encourage one another in loving good deeds and spur one another on in righteousness. Groups are so important. Being together. We've heard iron sharpen irons, and that is what groups do for us. A chance to delve deeper into the word of God and grow as an individual in your relationship with God. Next pray. Pray for our friends, our family, our children who don't know Jesus. Here's the hard one, though. Pray for those who aren't your friends. God is calling us, commanding us to make disciples of all nations. Not just the people we know. Not just the people we like. Maybe it's with the people that offend you. Maybe it's someone who's wronged you and we need to forgive them, and we need to be praying for them. In fact, that name that I asked you about earlier, the name that God may be tugging on your heartstrings, you need to be praying for that person, praying that they would have an encounter with God, that they would come to know Jesus, and that encounter may come through you because the next practical thing is share. Yes, share the gospel with others. We do this by inviting them to church. But this is why that growing is so important because we need to be prepared to share the gospel. I know that that can be scary, but it's what Jesus is calling us to do. Sharing the gospel of God is not the job of the person on this platform on Sunday. It's our jobs every day. And not just with our words but our lives as well. Like 1 Thessalonians 2, 8 said, because we love you so much, we are delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives. The next practical thing is give. Give our resources, our time, give our resources financially. You know, I love how every several weeks, Greg will stand up here and he shares stories of how our faithful giving is being used to impact those in our congregation and those outside of our congregation, our community, in Enumclaw, on the plateau, but not just in our community. Also in the world, through the different ministries and missionaries that we support. This brings me to my next point, which is going to be serve, but you have another opportunity speaking about this. You heard that. There's going to be a mission trip to Belize. Maybe during this message, God is tugging on your heartstrings right now saying, hey, maybe you could serve by going to Belize. So pray about that. And that final one is serve. We can put ourselves third by serving others and by serving our church. Whether it could be serving a neighbor, mowing their lawn for them when you see it's getting a little bit long, helping them change a tire, taking them dinner when you know something has happened in their life, or serving in our church. The point is to serve. Here at Mount Rainier Christian Center, one of the reasons I love this church so much is because it's my family. Literally, my wife serves on staff here, my best friends are here, and the people that I love and that help take care of my family are here. So thank you for what you do to encourage me and my family. But then also thank you for serving at this church. I don't want to miss them, but we have so many opportunities for volunteerism at this church and it's what makes our church function. Think about every Sunday morning, the amazing worship team that we have up here that helps Prepare our hearts and lead us to the footsteps of the cross. What about our sound and tech team that do such a great job and also make, it a, make this service available for those that can't be here through the streaming? What about when you drive in each Sunday morning and you encounter our parking lot and security team? We come in and there's coffee that's hot and ready to go, or or beverages ready for you, or lattes that you can get, or our amazing greeters, or our welcome center team, or a hospitality team. What about those who, on before Sunday, prepare our facility by cleaning, cleaning toilets, vacuuming, polishing or uh, polishing windows and cleaning doorknobs, serving in our youth ministry? I've been doing that for. I don't know, seven or eight years here, and I love it. This one is near and dear to my heart because I help in there, and then I, I see how many hundreds of volunteers that serve in the children's ministry alongside my wife, Allison. We have an amazing team of volunteers serving our kids. I thank God for them every single Sunday. Our Mops team that is getting ready to start this week, our women's ministries, uh, Sisters of Strength, our men's ministries and uh, the men's breakfast and small groups that they do, our groups ministries. Speaking of our groups ministries, you know, you don't have to, like you heard Brent say, you don't have to be the leader to serve. Maybe you offer up your living room or offer to make a meal for a group to, uh, for a group to meet in your house, but we can serve that way. What about our amazing family picnics that we have? I hope you know I love coming to our picnics. I have so much fun. My kids adore it. But hundreds and hundreds of hours go into those preparing the food, setting up the facility. And speaking about our grounds, I know we've had service projects where people come and help us. And then the thing I love about our grounds, I said I love Christmas, that amazing light display that we have, that so many people spend so many hours planning, putting up, preparing, taking care of that amazing gift that we give to our congregation, but more importantly to our community. So many faithful volunteers that help this church body, this family to grow together. I ask you this, where could you get involved? I want to finish up one last story before I send you out of here. In February of 1961, newly inaugurated President John F. Kennedy decided to change the goals and trajectory of one of the government agencies. Three years prior to him becoming president in 1958, NASA was formed. And in Kennedy's first month as president, he decided to change the mission of NASA to one single goal. And that goal was to put a man on the moon and then safely return him to Earth. To achieve this goal, millions and millions of dollars were added and spent through the NASA budget. The agency grew to over 400,000 employees focused on this goal. A year later in 1962, President Kennedy visited a NASA facility for the first time. While on tour, walking down the hall, President Kennedy noticed a janitor in the hall pushing a broom. Kennedy walked away from the NASA managers and administrators, his presidential aides, and his Secret Service detail, and he approached the janitor and said to him, what do you do? The janitor looked at President Kennedy and said, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. He didn't state the obvious. He didn't say, I clean floors. I mop toilets. I clean the lunchroom. Now he knew the bigger goal, the bigger purpose for his job. I'm putting a man on the moon. For us, what if someone asked you, what do you do? It's not, I'm a teacher, or I'm an engineer, or I'm a mechanic. It has nothing to do with your profession. It's not, I'm a mother, or I'm a father, or I'm a grandparent. And it's not, I lead worship, or I serve coffee, or I'm helping in children's or I'm putting up Christmas lights. You're not just tithing or praying for others. You're digging holes. You're lowering others to the feet of Jesus. You're making disciples. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much. First of all, that you forgive us our sins and that you call us to get up, take our mat, and walk. Father God, I pray that you would put us each into positions to walk towards others, to pick up their mat, and to carry him to your feet. Father God, thank you so much, and just bless each and every person here as they go from here. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a happy Labor Day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Like
0: Like you love, come on, say, like you it. Like it love me Like you love me, like you love me I've been trying to figure out what it means to be human Flesh and bone, the spirit and the soul If I cannot earn your love by trying to measure up why do I think I'd lose it in the lows Somehow you see through my heart And you welcome me with open arms just as I